Well, good morning, King's Chapel. Good to be here with you all on this glorious uh, Lord's Day. Uh, let me just pray for us real quick. Father, I pray, as always, my simple prayer as a spokesperson for you, that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to be receptive to your word. Because your word is truth, and the words you speak to us are spirit and life. Those that have an ear, let them hear what the spirit will say to the church today. But not be hearers only, but doers of your word. It is in Jesus' name I pray, amen. we got one other important fact is that... Um, we are the grandparents of seven grandchildren as well. And I love them more than my children. I just want to let you know. And my kids know it, and uh, they feel some type of way, but I say it's the privilege of being grandparents. And, and, uh, but if you're a grandparent, you probably know a little bit of what I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm honored to be here with my brother, my friend. We have laughed together, we have cried together, we have um, spoken about things only God and maybe the only other person on this earth that would know such things would be our spouse. Um, and I'm grateful for his friendship and for our brotherhood and, um, and for his precious wife, Katie, who sits and stands beside him and uh, the better side of my brother Jeff. Amen. And uh, in our tradition where we come from, um, it's good to just honor those who are in leadership. So would you do me a favor and just clap your hands for your pastor, your leader, and the man who labors over you to serve you in a way that is godly and empowering. Um, and honor to the entire ever-growing Jake's family. <laughs> Amen. And honor to every leader and every member of the King's Chapel here. Uh, we also bring you greetings from the Kingdom Church, uh, where our lead pastor is Pastor David Jacques, and we serve on the pastoral team there as well. And um, honored to be here, and I'm certainly grateful, as always, to be in the presence of and have with me the loveliest lady in the land, my wife, April. Amen. We celebrate, and I will clap for you, baby. We, next month, we celebrate 35 years of being together. Amen. And she has extended my contract up to now. And I'm hoping on October 24th, she will extend it again. Amen. I think she told me I had to wait till the end to find out. But, uh, um, Nevertheless, we are, we are grateful. Today, <clears throat> my message to you is love defined. And I'm subtitling today's message, Checkup Time. Everybody say Checkup Time. I'm going to read from John 13, 35, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And we're going to skip to the 13th verse. And it reads, by this, 
everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, the 34th verse says, Jesus says, I give you a new command. I give you a new command that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. I want you to get that in your spirit today because that's the message that I want to drive home today. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, affectionately known as the love chapter, if you will, starting with the fourth verse, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not boastful. Love is not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not irritable. And love does not keep a record of wrongs. I'm going to read that one again. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, love endures all things. And the first part of the eighth verse says, love never ends. As we drop down to the 13th verse, it says, now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. So every year, many of us, if not most of us, go to our primary care physician for our annual checkups. Doctor may ask questions like this. Does anywhere on your body hurt? Where does it hurt? Do you have any concerns? What might we address today? Here is a prescription for your blood work. Because the blood will tell me what you're not telling me. The blood will tell me what you're not aware of. And I'm certainly grateful for that particular part of the process. Uh, because uh, over eight years ago, I went on my annual physical, got my blood work, and the doctor discovered that I had a form of leukemia. And so I have to take chemo pills in the morning and chemo pills at night, two in the morning, two at night, and it's just part of the process. Um, for the last three years, I was 0%. The doctor took me off my medication, and after two months, I got another spike in the leukemia. I ran back to the medicine, and, um, and I'm grateful for that. But I never felt anything. I still don't feel anything now. Everything was revealed in the blood work. And I said, Lord, I know you are a healer. I know you can heal. But, Lord, if you choose not to and if this could bring you glory, don't let me waste this cancer. Let me bring glory and honor to you in it and through it. 
I pray that I can grow old and live long uh, with my wife and watch our grandchildren grow up. And, and uh, my, my life goal is to have the pleasure of what my grandmother had before she passed at 89. And that is she had the privilege of seeing at least five of her great, great grandchildren. That is five generations on the earth at one time. I long to be able to see that. But at the end of the day, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But my point is, had I not gone to the doctor, had I not gone to the physician, had I not gone to get my blood work done, something would have been brewing inside of this body that could eventually have taken me out. I'm glad I went for my checkup. I just heard uh, yesterday that a good friend of mine that we played football together um, has a dreaded disease that unless God intervenes will take him out of here. And the brother who told me said he didn't take care of himself. He didn't go to the doctor to, to get checkup. And I heard one uh, crazy person say this a long time ago. Uh, when asked, do you go to, to the doctor why, or why don't you go to the doctor? I'm not going to the doctor because they might find something. Well, if they find something, that means something is there. And hopefully they can find it before things get too bad. Hopefully we can find some stuff today to either prevent it from going bad or if it is bad, get it turned around. Because we're going to talk about love today. If blood is that wonderful substance that gives us life, that fuels us, what's fueling you or giving you life? What is giving you life or what fuels or empowers you? Is it love? Or is it hatred? Is it forgiveness? Or is it unforgiveness? Is it bitterness? Or betterness? I know that's not a word, but it is a word for this message. Is it joy? Or sadness? Is it choosing to be fulfilled? Or unfulfilled? I'm just going to let you all know, King's Chapel. We might be here a little longer than normal. I'm going to try to have us out by at least one o'clock today. In Jesus name. Don't walk out on me now. Don't walk out on me. Some doctor's appointments do take a little bit more time. Some doctor's appointments require surgery. We want to I come as a representative of the great physician to deliver a message for you that I believe is a supreme message that all other messages are built upon. In Galatians 5.22, the scripture lists nine fruit, singular. It don't say nine fruits. It says nine fruit, which means you can't have one without the other. And it starts with Love. 
I believe there is um, a level of order to this nine fruit. Because if you notice, it starts with love and then, and then joy and then peace. Because without love, you can't have no joy. Without joy, you have no peace. And then it keeps going on and covering, going all the way until we get to, I believe it is long-suffering. But the, here, here it is. If you get love right, all the other stuff falls in line. Love is mentioned first because I believe it develops all others. Now, listen to this. I believe that God determines our level of love for him based on the love we have for one another. The Bible says in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus says to love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, strength. He says it. And then he says the second one is equal to the first one. He didn't say the second was a little under it. It's, he didn't say the first one is more supreme. He said the second of these two laws is equal to each other, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. God, my question to you, how is loving my neighbor on the same level or have equality with my love for you? Then my question is, Lord, how can one quantify or gauge one's love for you? I believe that the way God quantifies how much we love him is based on how, we, how much we love people. Because God is the image maker. We are the image recipients. How can you, John said it this way in 1 John, how can you love God whom you haven't seen but you can't love the people you see every day. You can't love your brother. I believe it is this. The way God determines how much we love him, he determines that by how much we love one another. Because if you can't love the image bearer, how can you love the image maker? How can you love God? Well, I love God. I just can't stand people. Don't work that way, because if you can't stand his image, what God says is you can't stand him. How you treat and it starts and it starts with the people in your household. It starts with if you're married, your spouse, if you're a parent, your children, it, it, it starts with the people you see every day. And I have seen it in my lifetime. I have seen it. As a pastor, I've seen it as a business person. I've seen it just, just as an individual, how we can love others outside of our home, but can't love the people in our home the same or even a greater way. That we can hug others, but we can't hug the person that we see every day. We can talk to others, but a husband and wife hadn't shared two words together in days, weeks, or months. Something's wrong with that picture. And we find ourselves in church. We find ourselves in worship. We find ourselves sitting next to each other. And it has a great picture within the church. But we don't sit as close together when we're at home. It's checkup time. Love defined. 
can you love Jehovah God? How can we say we love God? But we got issues with people. You know, Jesus said stuff like this. If you know that there is something between you and someone else, he said, it ain't time for you to offer any worship to me. He said, leave your gift at the altar and you go fix it. Go get it right with them because you offering worship to me means nothing if you got issues with my image bearers. Oh, God, help us today. And James, I love James, James 2 and 8, he says something like this. He says, if you fulfill the royal law, notice what James 2 and 8 says, if you fulfill the royal law. So what is the royal law, brother James? The royal law means the law that governs all other laws. The royal law. Well, okay, James, what is the royal law? prescribed in scripture. Notice what James did not say in James 2 and 8. He didn't say if you fulfill the royal law prescribed in the scripture love God with your whole heart you are doing well. He said the royal law the law that governs all other laws is to love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. That, that word royal is the Greek word basilikos. It means the king's law that governs all other laws. James is telling us that if you get this right, that David, if you love, first of all, you love your wife as your neighbor. My wife is my neighbor. She's my first neighbor. I ain't, you know, I'm, I got some education, but let me say it this way. I ain't got no neighbor. I don't see her as my first neighbor. Jeff, my friend, is my neighbor. How do I honor and treat him when we get together? How do I build him up? And if you ever became a fly on the wall in our conversation, his questions and comments is all about wanting to know what's going on in my family. What's going on with you, David? And he asked questions like, David, how's your soul? I say, bro, what you worry about my soul for, man? What's up? How's your soul? How's April? He goes on down the line. Then I'll do the same. How's Katie? How's the children? How's the grandchildren? He's trying to catch up with us in terms of grandchildren. Uh, and we have this wonderful time, but my job to lift him up and to empower him and to strengthen him as a friend and as a brother because if he can be right if he if, if all is well with him it helps him become a better version of himself a better a, a better man a better husband a better father a better grandfather and a better pastor to God's people so that is my assignment as a friend how do I love my brother well how do I love you well when I come into your presence to encourage you. Most of all, how do I, it's 35 years, but I don't want to take this woman for granted. How do I love my wife well after 35 years? Let me tell you something. We are living our best life right now. We done kicked all the children out the house. 
We let them come over every now and then. <laughs> no, they know. They, they, they got the keys. They, they know how to get in. But, and they come over whenever they, they want to because we want them to know that home is always home. Um, but we love, we love them. We love our grandchildren. We love to see them. But I love the fact that, man, I can get up. I ain't got to worry about nobody is being in the house but me and her. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. But how do we enjoy, uh, how, do, how do I be the best husband to my wife? That's my first question. Because see, um, I do a lot in the community and people will say this accolade or that accolade or a lot of times uh, if I have to go speak places, they want to see my bio and all that. And I actually hate sending my bio because it just, bio says a lot about a person and their accomplishment. But I said, the main thing, if you want to, if you, if you want to know anything about Dave, I'll just tell him I love you. Crazy in love with my wife. I love my family. That's, 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 that's the only thing that really matters because I don't want to be a public success but a private failure. I, I don't want everybody to know how much I care and love them but my wife and children don't know. So here it is. It is checkup time, brothers and sisters. It is time that we look ourselves in the mirror and understand what the scripture says that number one, love is patient. That means it endures troubles. It suffers. It means it's not easily angered. Slow to punish. So as I go through this, I want you to think about your relationship with your spouse. I want you to think about your relationship with your children. Um, I want you to think about your relationship with any other human being on the earth because there should not be a human being on this earth that if we saw them on a side road and nobody else was around, that we would want to run them over. If there was anybody on this earth that you could just run over and just get rid of and nobody would find out. That's the person that I want you to think about right now. Because there shouldn't be another image bearer of God that we have so much issues with that we wouldn't want to offer them something to eat or something to drink if we had the opportunity. This God kind of love is patient. It's not ready to punish. It, 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 it's willing to go through. It's not easily angered. And number two, he said, love is kind. K-I-N-D. This is the kind of kindness that is a type of behavior marked by acts of generosity, consideration, rendering assistance or concern for others without expecting praise or rewards in return. It's just that kind of love. Paul goes on to say, number three, he said, love is not envious. It's not bothered by what someone else has. When you got the kind of love that somebody, you know, the Bible talks about, if your brother rejoice, rejoice with him. If they weep, you weep with him. Listen, if, you, if, you, if something great is happening to you, I want to rejoice with you. I bless God 
for you. I heard one pastor say a long time ago, he said, if God is blessing my neighbor, then he must be in the neighborhood. Maybe I'm next. Love is not boastful. Meaning love does not praise itself for what they have done. You know how it is when we get in arguments. I'm just telling you, this is what I've done for you. And this, I've been doing all this. And I've done all that. And, and, and it's just, it's just I. And, and, and then I. You remember what all this stuff I've done for you. Let me just check it off for you. Ah, ah, ah. There's a story about a man, and, 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 it's, and this is part of a book. Um, you know, I need, to, I need to find Lewis Uptress Jr. and ask him, do you ever get spikes in sales of your book? Because I'm always talking about your book. Because it's about, it, the premise of it is based on a very successful businessman who, um, uh, he was just very successful, and he had great customer service, which is why his business was successful. But when he go home, he, he, he recognized his wife wasn't happy. He couldn't understand why his wife wasn't happy because he did the check mark. I bought you a new home. You have the best clothes. You drive the nicest of cars. You have a good life, woman. She's not happy. She turns around and walk, gets ready to walk out the room. And he asks her the question, what do you want from me? Because I've done all these things for you. And she turns around and says, treat me like a customer. Treat me like one of your customers. That's the title of the book, Treat Me Like a Customer. Because in customer service, we won't let, uh, to save a relationship, we won't let them walk out the room. Hey, hold up, let me. What can we do to make this right? I know we got it wrong. What can we do to make it? We won't let them walk out the door without fighting to keep them, but we'll let our spouse walk out the door and not fight for her happiness. Treat me like a customer. We smile at customers. We ask them, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Or do we ask those same questions to the people that's in our life? Love is not arrogant. It's not inflated. It, it's, it, it's not prideful. Arrogance is having or revealing an, an exaggerated sense of one's own importance or ability. It's all about me. And love is really all about the other one. You know, the Bible even says, um, just think about and, and look to the needs of others more than yourself. Because that's what Jesus did. If Jesus thought only of himself, he wouldn't have gone to Calvary. But he thought of you. He thought of me. He thought of, he put our name. Now see, Jesus, the Bible says, he who knew no sin. Sin wasn't his problem. Sin wasn't his issue. Sin was ours, but he made it his. He saw his bride, he saw his wife had the issue, and he made her issue his issue. Baby, I know you got the sin problem, but I'm going to take it on myself. And then, I don't want you to be punished. Let me stand in front of you 
Let me stand in front of you before the Father, and since he has to pour out wrath on somebody, let him pour it out on me. I'll let you go free. That's what our husband did for us. And the only relationship in Scripture that has congruency to the love that we should have for the, for the Lord and the Lord has for us seen in the institution of marriage. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. There is no other earthly relationship that matches up with the, 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 the Lord's relationship to his church. Like a husband and a wife because he's our husband and we're the bride of Christ. And we have a responsibility. He has, and he, he made our issue his. He became sin for us that we might become the rightness, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm supposed to love my wife that way. There's a scripture, and I think in Song of Solomon, it says, Thou art fair, my love, thou art fair, and there is no spot in thee. In other words, I, I should see her as flawless. Even if she has a gazillion flaws, she is flawless to me. There is no spot. My wife said, don't you see that spot on my face? I said, what spot, baby? That's what spot? Remember, you know how it can get when you can see all the blemishes. I said, baby, I don't see no blemish. I just see a beautiful face. That's the right answer, brother. Don't, 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 don't. You see that spot? Oh, yes, baby. I see a few of them. Well, you, 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 you. Love is not rude. Causing rudeness is causing someone to feel deeply hurt, upset, or angry. Love does not do that. Love, number seven, is not self-seeking. Love is not selfish. It's not about me. Those who embody true biblical love do not insist upon their own way or their own right. They're always focused on the other. Paul goes on to say that love is not irritable. It does, it's not easily provoked, neither does it do the provoking. It's not irritated. It don't get annoyed. You get irritated with people, check your love gauge. Somebody in your life is irritating you, check your love gauge. Because every other individual, including yourself, on this earth is he or she for whom Christ died. whom Christ died. And this one, this number nine one, if, if, if I had the privilege of editing scripture, this is the one I would keep out. Love does not keep record of wrongs. Love does not keep a record of wrongdoings. There, there's, there's, a, there's a group of ancient people, uh, some primitive people, they had, a, um, they had a particular way of doing things in their culture, and that is if someone offended them, 
they would get a palm tree leaf and put it on top of the roof so that every time they saw that palm leaf, it would remind them that somebody offended them. They wanted to be reminded. They wanted to remember what somebody did to them. So I'm going to put this palm leaf so every time I see it, I remember. You, 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 I remember I ain't supposed to like you. Now, we may not do that in our homes, but we do do it. We keep markers here. We keep markers here. We keep markers in our life. And, and, and here's how it shows up a lot of times. If, if you're in an argument with someone and you don't have nothing new on them because they got something new on you, then your only arsenal is to go back and talk about something that they did a long time ago. Well, what I thought that was forgiven. We talked about it. Yes, but I can't get nothing new, so I got to go back to the old. And we'll bring up stuff. I remember you did this and I remember you did that. Well, why are we talking about what I did? And blah, blah. Because when our love gauge is not where it needs to be, we remember what someone has done. But something amazing about our Lord, he does that do that for us. There, he, aren't you grateful that he does not keep a record of our sin? As far as the east is from the west, he removes our sins from us. As high as the heavens is to the earth, our sins are removed. Blessed is the man whom he does not impute sin. That means credit with sin, even though we are sinful beings. But he does not credit us because he has credited us with his righteousness. He has imputed on us. The righteousness of God. So the righteousness of the Lord covers us. And it keeps us. And yet we're so grateful that the Lord does not keep a record of our wrongs. But when it comes to the people in my life, I want to keep all kinds of records. So here's my question. What kind of day would you have if God treated you the way you treated others? What kind of life would you have? If, 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 if all of a sudden we just, just gave God permission to do it. God, now God don't need permission to do nothing. He God. But if we, if we just had the ability to give God permission, God, I give you permission to do to me and treat me the way I treat others. What kind of life would I have? How would my day go? Oh, yes, Lord, I want grace from you. I need grace from you. And if God asks the question, but are you willing to extend grace to your son, your daughter who has embarrassed the family? Are you willing to extend grace to that child who's being less than perfect? Are you willing to extend grace to that spouse who's being less than perfect? Are you willing to extend grace to that employee, to that employer, to that stranger at the store who skipped you? Are we willing to extend grace? You know how fickle we are? That when we realize we're in the wrong lane on the highway and we need to get over, we want somebody to let us in. But as soon as 
somebody wants to get cut in front of us to get in the lane, we speed up. I can't let them in. I can't let them in. I don't want them to be in front of me. And yet we want somebody to give us that grace. I'm telling on myself because sometimes I feel that. I, you know, I, I, I'm, oh, I'm glad to let him in. And then I usually roll my window down and just wave and say, thank you for letting me in. And then I find myself driving. Somebody that's going to cut in front of me. In my heart, in that moment, I was like, you're going to cut in front of me? And the Holy Spirit reminds me, grace, let them in because further down the road, you're going to need somebody to let you in. Let me keep going. Love has no joy in unrighteousness. You know what that means? It doesn't gloat when someone falls into sin or fails miserably. We don't talk about it. We don't gloat about it. We don't gossip about it. Whether it's true, whether it's not true. Love says, I cover you. Love. When, when, when my, I had to learn that lesson dealing with one of our children and some things was happening many years ago. Thank God that that, that same son is married and doing well now, but there was a day where I literally almost lost my mind trying to figure out how to love this son and what was going on with him. Your great pastor, my friend Jeff, on a Saturday, him and another pastor friend of mine came all the way over to my house to sit by the pool and cry with me and just listen. That's friendship. I'll never forget that day. Never forget that day. Because that's what love does. I could have said, man, what kind of pastor are you? You, you got you know, stuff going on in your family. What kind of pastor are you? You know how people are when they see kids go astray. What kind of home did they come from? We can say some of the most heartless things. But love don't take joy in the false failures or sin or the negative stuff a person may go through. We cover them. Love bears sin's weight. Love bears the weight of sin. That means it hides, it conceals it keeps secret the faults of others. And you don't believe it. First Peter 4 and 8 says, Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. We should be covering one another. Love believes all things. That means it's trust and can be trusted. I'm almost finished. It's my first closing. Y'all know black preachers get two, three of them. So I got two more to go. Love hopes all things. It never loses faith or focus. It never. It never. Love endures all things. That means it can take whatever is dished out at them. Love can take it. Love, the God kind of love, the right kind of love. And if you've ever had an issue in your life with a person or people, 
It's because you felt like they did not love you. Or if a person has an issue with you, it's because they felt like you didn't love them well. Paul goes on to say, and the greatest of these is love. Faith. I got to have faith. With, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right? Faith. By grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. I need faith. But yeah, 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 but there's something greater than that. What's greater than faith? What's greater than hope? Scripture says, because when you love right, your faith will be right. Your hope will be right. Hmm. So, as I prepare to close, this is my second one. When it comes to your spouse, how would you rate this checkup? When it comes to your children, how would you rate this checkup? When it comes to your in-laws, even if you have declared them to be outlaws, when it comes to your in-laws, how would you rate this checkup? When it comes to your co-workers, how would you rate this checkup? When it comes to your fellow church members here at Kingdom, King's Chapel or any previous church, how would you rate this checkup? When it comes to you in general, how would you rate yourself in this checkup? If you find any, def any deficiencies in your love assessment, if you find any deficiencies in your love assessment, God is going to have you do something but I'm not going to actually do it. I'm just going to ask you where you sit. You can bow your head, close your eyes, however you want. Think about the person or people that came to your mind as I was ministering this message. And if your love gauge has been less than perfect or loving your neighbor as yourself, you ought to stop at this moment and just pray. Take the time. And you know what? I'll stop and pray with you. We want to pray for forgiveness. And we want to pray for the strength to love like Jesus God end of the day, we are Jesus people. We represent Jesus. Jeff mentioned about this sports ministry that we started. And it is, it's ages 4 to 14. Football and cheerleading are our flagship sports, but we do want to go into other sports disciplines after football season. But I told our parents, and I told our coaches, and I told our athletes, I said, listen, you are a lion. That's supposed to mean something. You're the Central Florida Lion. And when you all put on your merch and your gear and your and parents, when you put on your shirt 
on Saturday to say you with the Lions, you're representing us. You're representing our board of directors. You represent me. You represent the church that covers us. You represent God. So watch what you say. Watch what you do because you represent us. Gandhi said something interesting. At least someone wrote that he said it. I love your Christ, but I don't like your Christian. And it's also, he said, I would have become a Christian had it not been for Christian. Paul said something similar. That the Gentiles are blaspheming God because of you Jewish people who say you are the chosen people of God. Yet the Gentiles are blaspheming him because they don't want no part of a God from a nation that is misrepresenting him. So we, brothers and sisters, if this message has run true for you in your life, here is the real test. Um, uh, Pastor Jeff said earlier, we gather so that we can scatter. I love that. I'm going to steal that from you. And I'm going to say the Lord gave it to me. I ain't going to even give you credit. We gather because we, we gather to scatter, meaning when the pastor gives the benediction, brothers and sisters, you got to go home. When the pastor gives the benediction, you got to go to work. You have to go into the community. And when you go home, will your spouse see Jesus in you? When you go home, will your children see Jesus in you? When you go home, will that mother-in-law, father-in-law, mother, dad, the older, the older saints who we may have to care for, will they see Jesus? Go into this world where you represent Jesus and love one another as he loved us. In football language, I see church um, gathering as a locker room. Coach preaches and gives the, the plays for the day. This is our philosophy for who we're going to play today. Cheerleaders come and cheer up the football players. That's the worship leader. This is not where we do the work of the Lord. This is where we receive instruction. This is where we fellowship. This is where we build up people. You know how what happens in a locker room. Yeah, let's go. Let's get them. We're hitting the pads and slapping helmets. Let's go. Let's get them. Let's go. But if the team stays in the locker room, the game would not be played on the field. Jesus said the field is the world and the good seed of the kingdom. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. In other words, I'm planting you into the world. I'm sending you out there so that you can show the world who I am. And Jesus before he left here, he prayed a most powerful prayer in John 17. He said, Father, make them one so that the world might know that you have sent me. When they are together, when they're loving one another as they should, the world will see me. But if they're not loving each other, they can't see Jesus fully. 
So I'll leave you with this message. Love defines checkup. How do you assess yourself? And what will be the results of this checkup? God bless you and God keep you is my prayer.